Discussing the commodities markets, what's happening and why. We talk to the experts, the traders, the investors, and the companies they're investing in. You're listening to Commodity Watch Radio with Dominic Frisbee. Hello and welcome to Commodity Watch Radio, which is hosted in association with Mindsight. I'm Dominic Frisbee and in today's program I talk to veteran trader and Commodity Watch favourite Michael Hampton, founder of Global Edge Investors, an online community for investors, which you can find at globaledgeinvestors.com. And together we're going to be interviewing Larry Pesavento. Larry is a trader of 45 years experience. He's written over nine books on the subject and trained over 1,000 traders. He uses all sorts of techniques from Fibonacci ratios to astrology and is described as a pattern recognition expert. I've been following his calls over the last uh, six months or so and was amazed by one call last month when he nailed the March low in the stock markets. He said it was coming from quite a while off and nailed it almost to the day. And he did the same back in October uh, 2008 when he saw the crash low to the day um, and saw it coming from a, a month or more away. His website is tradingtutor.com. Larry, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be here. Why don't we start, Larry, by you telling us uh, some of the methods you employ uh, when you're trading? Well, basically what I do, Dominic, is I'm a pattern recognition swing trader, and I arrived at this by, you know, pragmatically looking at things over years and seeing certain patterns that had a higher probability of working than others. And uh, I've been using these in my trading since uh, over 35 years now. And then in the um, middle uh, 1980s, I, I've always had a love of astrology by studying GAN for many years back in the 60s and 70s, and I found some things that worked, you know, using the astroharmonics of the planets that are really nothing more than number sequences of, of cycles. There, there's nothing mysterious as the A word. People get afraid of it, but there's really nothing more than numbers. Is all it all happens to be. So. Those are your methods, Larry. Um, they work for you. I'm sure a lot of people are cynical about astrology, but nevertheless, they work for you. I mean, do you have a, a hit rate? Have you measured your hit rate? Is it kind of 75% right or 55% right? Or I don't really work at it that way. I just look to see which ones work and which ones don't. I've been doing this uh, for uh, well over 35 years. I've always... Um, uh, you know, written a newsletter, not a newsletter, but I've written a trading strategies and things when I was at Drexel Burnham. You know, I had to put my thoughts into, uh, onto paper because so many people were, you know, depending upon me because I've handled money professionally, you know, most of my adult life. So I'm sort of under the gun, so to speak, but I learned this the hard way. In other words, I looked at, you know, all of the different, uh, swings from 3% swings in the stock market from, 1876 to the present day and I've studied each one of those and then what I did was to match up the the cycles that, that I had seen uh, reoccurring in other words I would found you know certain cycles that appeared when there was a three percent move in the market there were certain cycles that appeared when there were ten percent moves in the market and then we statistically 
you know, quantified these and ran, ran them several different tests. One was, well, there were several different statistical methods that we used, but, you know, it showed that, you know, about better than 75% of the time, these were really strong turning dates. And then when you added the patterns to it, you could actually increase that to about a 85% uh, success rate, you know, when you have major things occurring, and that's what my my strength is, is in when when something really really big is about ready to happen, they don't, don't fool us very often. I mean, it's just it's just too many too many coincidences that occur in, in nature that that repeat over and over again. I mean, every single bottom major bottom in the stock market has been, you know, in uh, had certain things occurring. These astroharmonics that that are there. I mean, since 1876, there's never had, there hasn't been one uh, a bottom without these without these uh, aspects being present. I'll I'll just read you a quote that I used in uh, I, I write for Money Week, which is a, a UK financial magazine, and there was a quote from uh, um, reminiscence of a stock operator that I used in last week's uh, in last week's. Um, article but it, it goes like this you know you obviously know reminiscences of a stock operator the, the oh, yeah. jesse liver yeah. jesse livermore was one of my uh, favorite people that i read about as i was studying uh, you know to be a trader okay so this this quote goes nowhere does history indulge in repetition so often or so uniformly as in wall street when you read contemporary accounts of booms or panics the only thing that strikes you most forcibly is how little either stock speculation or stock speculators differ from yesterday. The game does not change, and neither does human nature. And that explains why we're successful at what we do. <laughs> Nothing ever does change. It's the same thing over and over again. All you have to do is define what that repetition is, and once you find that and prove to you that that's where you are within that, that cycle, the rest of it is just you know trying to find a place to buy or find a place to sell and knowing what your risk and that determines whether you're successful or not. Most people don't want to do the work necessary to get to that point, but that's basically the bottom line. Can I jump in here? I think it's a relevant question, Larry. I'd like to ask you uh, how many cycles you use and how many how many patterns you're using. I use uh, 14 patterns, seven buy patterns, seven sell patterns. I've got a couple others that I I haven't published, but you know I show people what they are um, and. Uh, the cycles that I use, I'm basically looking at uh, six different combinations of cycles, starting from um, uh, a 44-day and then going all the way out to uh, about a 760-day, which is pretty much a two-year cycle. And then I, I put those together. They're in part of the model that uh, some people refer to it as the Bradley model, but it's a little bit more uh, sophisticated than that because the Bradley is a, a rough idea of what's going to happen, but it's really good. I mean, rough means, you know, it's better than 60% accurate. When you stop and think that it can do this 200 years in advance, it's pretty pretty powerful that you can come up with turning dates, you know, 200 years in advance, and some of them are very, very powerful. So you have to respect the model. Well, I, I'm just impressed by the fact you're using 44 days, and to me that's half of 89 days, which is a Fibonacci number. Um, do Fibonacci numbers show up in the length of these cycles at all? <laughs> You're asking which came first, the chicken or the egg. I mean, the numbers were there uh, all along. Like uh, Einstein said, you know, before God was numbers. And, and all these numbers that we talk about are the same relationships to the planets. In other words, if you look at the Venus-Uranus cycle, which is nothing more than 255 days, 
and you divide that by 365, that comes out to 0.618 of the year. And then if you add, you know, Mercury and Venus to the combination and see what those ratios are, they'll always be in the ratio of these numbers of sacred geometry of which the Fibonacci summation series is part of it. So it's all, all numbers related and all, all you have to do is to go back and prove that, you know, if you have certain aspects occurring that this is going to be either a positive or a negative event based on what's happened in the past. And you have to have usually a minimum of 100 samples to be statistically accurate. And some of these we have thousands of samples on. Others we only have, you know, a 100 or so. And there's a few that we only have, you know, maybe 20 or 10. But uh, those are very rare events. But, you know, they're still statistically accurate. If you have 9 out of 10 happening and the 11th time comes, you ought to respect that. The March low that you uh, that you, you you picked, which uh, worked worked very well for for many of us actually on GEI because we were uh, we were aware of that and some of us. I was going to uh, say, Larry, long. I owe you a big drink. I'm going to buy your book. There's <laughs> one way of saying thank you. Well, I, I'd rather have you buy the book than a drink, because I don't drink, but I could use the income from the book. You know, that would be great. <laughs> buy a Coca-Cola. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, make it a Coke but, Zero. I like that better. Okay. But the, the, the interesting thing was that, uh, some of us have been pulling some Bradley dates off the web. And, uh, the Bradley dates that I've seen on the web were not the same as the, you know, the 4th to the 8th of March. Uh, they were coming in at different times. Um, I'm wondering if you're using a different version of Bradley or something a little bit more sophisticated. No, I use Bradley just the way he put it into the, uh, text that he wrote back in, uh, you know, 1946. But uh, I don't use Bradley for any of the predicting things that I that I work with. I use the the aspects that I've you know worked on through the years um, and studied in the past. And I know that when certain aspects occur, that this is a uh, has a positive or negative um, outcome. And I, it's just a way of you know they measure fear and greed. is all it's doing. Just in case people don't know. Bradley, and correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, Bradley was an old stock market technician who discovered um, various um, astrological patterns and then made various, uh, identified various turn dates based on these. Is that right? He was actually an astrologer from Michigan, um, and what he did was he wrote one little paper called Stock Market Prediction that he sold for $4. It was a little 50-page book, and... um, he made a prediction, and it was nearly perfect in 1946. I found the Bradley through my mentor, Dr. Ruth Miller, uh, back in uh, 1986. And what we did was we started running the Bradley model from 1876 through up to 1886. So we did 90 years. Excuse me. We did 110 years, and we did statistical studies to see how accurate it was, and we realized that it was better than 75% accurate. Now, Bradley has some problems because sometimes it'll invert. You know, there'll be a low that comes when there should be a high, but the date will be very important. It's like an energy spot, and when that happens, you have to make uh, you know allowance for that. That's why pattern recognition is so important because if the market's coming down very hard and the Bradley market, Bradley says there's going to be a high, you know, it's just inverted. That's all it is. I mean, it's you know, it's just making a a, a trend turn, turn date, and that's what you're looking for. Bradley is incredibly good with trend trend, trend 
lightning days, but the problem is it's not as good for, you know, uh, predicting, you know, a whole year in advance, you know, where the low and the high is going to be. You know, that, that statistical thing will only come out about, you know, a little better than 50% of the time. But if you do it in sequences, like each, uh, equinox or, um, Solstice, you'll you'll have you know better reliability because you can predict trends for two or three months much easier than you can for one year. And as a trader, that's what the big advantage is. One of the one of the guys on the one of the guys on the GEI uh, thread um, asked a question, which I think is relevant here, uh, and I'll paraphrase the question: Why does this work? <laughs> Hell, I don't know. I don't even care. It just, you know, I think it's because of our bodies are 85% water and we're like little batteries running around on the earth and we're affected by the magnetic poles of all these different planets. I mean, you know, we talk about the magnetic effect of the moon and how it moves the tides and the moon is not even a planet. It's only a satellite. You know, it's just a little, uh, thing spinning around up there. It doesn't have any of the, the pole that Mercury or Venus or Mars or Jupiter does because these orbits are huge and you know they 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 keep going elliptically and you know these ellip- ellipses are nothing more than a way of measuring Fibonacci and finding the you know how you find the circumference of a circle it's all mathematics that's why NASA can land these planets and these probes so far in advance because they know what the orbits are, they know what the speed of the orbit is and they know that it takes certain amount of rocket power to move it to the next you know, orbit to get it to into the orbit of Jupiter or wherever they're trying to send the probe. And, you know, heck, all we're trying to do is find out what gold's going to do in two days. Our job's a lot easier. <laughs> well, you know, I was amazed when I first discovered Fibonacci to find that the uh, the size of the orbit, the uh, median distance from the sun or whatever, was very much fitting in line with the Fibonacci sequence. Um, well, they so all, the distance... all the planets are. So there's something the in nature sun, that... There's something in nature that seems to enjoy stability in Fibonacci relationships, that they're almost like quantum levels where things move from one of those stable uh, points to another stable energy point. And, you know, we see that in, in nature, and we somehow see that in the stock markets as well. It's quite interesting. Um, Larry, I, I, I'm sure we all want to hear uh, what, well, I know I do anyway, and I'm sure most listeners do, want to hear what your predictions are going forward both in the short term and in the longer term but let me first ask you is there a way that um you know joe blogs like me can learn some of your methods i I don't have for example you're clearly a very um uh, sophisticated mathematician i know mike's a a very good mathematician (laughs) are you kidding me basic i can just about put two and two together That but, that comes out to six. If you consider myself a mathematician, Dominic, you're a very poor judge of character. My degree, undergraduate degree, was in pharmacy, and I have a master's in business. But believe me, mathematics is very, very low on my scale of uh, efficiency. I'm, I know how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide, and everything that we do is nothing more than that. I don't do anything statistically that is more than simple arithmetic. Well, that, that's... You know, uh, that, that's I was going to say that's that's good news for me. Uh, that's what I wanted to hear. Yeah. So, can well, you, how, how does one yeah. learn your your methods? Well, I mean, I, I, first of all, I wouldn't suggest anybody to look at the astrology part because it's a lifelong pursuit, and you never know. You know, you're never going to find the Holy Grail. All it does is give you some edges. But you know, you can read some of the books I've written. Ten books over the past uh, thirty years, and and uh, you know, many of them have been uh, pretty you know popular. 
But, you know, you don't pick this up overnight. It's going to take years to to learn this. I mean, how long does it take you to become a brain surgeon? You know, how long does it take you to be a, you know, an obstetrician or, or a good attorney, which is an oxymoron? I mean, you know, it's really <laughs> difficult to, to do these things. And which, uh, you which, really got to be able to Which book would you recommend we start it. with? Well, I think you should start with the last one, which is the most popular, is Trade What You See, which is a culmination of the things that I do, not counting astrology. I don't uh, do too much uh, uh, as far as writing about astrology anymore because it's too complicated for people. I do talk about it because people have an interest in it now. I've always said this, and I really believe it, as the next major breakthrough in technical analysis is going to be from a place like MIT or Harvard. They're going to come out and say, look at the relationship between these planetary formations and what happens in the stock market. And when, when people see that, they're going to say, oh, well, this isn't technical mumbo-jumbo. This is from academia. You know, and once they put this seal of approval on it, then people will really start to look at it. The problem is, you know, people associate astrologers with uh, soothsayers and things like that. And, you know, it's really nothing more than a numbers game. And, and once people look at it that way, I mean, look at, look at the smart astrologers in the past. You know, you had Pythagoras, uh, Da Vinci, uh, Einstein, uh, you know, all these guys were really, uh, Newton. I mean, they're all heavily into, uh, you know, to looking at the heavens and, you know, all, many of their quotes are related to, to how nature, you know, repeats itself over and over again. And, you know, Einstein said, you know, God does indeed geometricize. God does not roll dice with the universe. Before God were numbers. You know, Einstein, all through his works, were talking about how the planetary things were related to all these numbers. And all we're doing is just trying to find these cycles because they're related to some type of energy field and say, okay, if this has happened in the past, what happens when it when it happens again? You know, it goes back to the Livermore statement. You know, if you're not going to read history, you're bound to repeat it. And that's what you're trying not to do is to profit from it instead of, you know, living it. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem with astrology is because it's a, a subject that's so little understood. It's attracted a lot of charlatans and people who pretend they know about it when really they know nothing. And but there was a recent survey in the UK, and I think it's it, the, the amount of people that that now go to church or, or believe in God is something like 30 or 40 percent, and yet more than 60 percent read their stars in the newspaper. So uh, <laughs> it, it, anyway, I don't know what the actual statistic was, but it was something like that. But Larry... Well, um, can I... Can, oh, sorry, Dom, can I just jump in here with another maybe relevant here um, question from GEI, um, which is, um, what would happen if everyone believed in this, supposing that MIT or Harvard came out and said, this this really worked, this was something, and then suddenly, you know, 50% or more of the people in the market started using astrology, um, does that mean by necessity that it would stop working? Well, uh, first of all, uh, even if they did come out with something like that, 50% of the people would be too lazy to read it, and 40% of their other 50% would be skeptical of uh, of what was happening, and only ten percent of the people would ever follow through with uh, you know what really happens. When I give a speech to two or three hundred people, there might be one or two people in the room that actually follows through and say, "Gee, I had an interest in what you were talking about. You know, where do I learn more about it?" I mean, that's in the you know that's in the five to ten percent category, and that never changes that that figure. I mean, I, I tell people that, but they don't realize. I mean, if I speak to 300 people, there might be three people that actually call me up, and I give them my private number right there, 
and I don't know if they're, they think I'm too busy or that I'm not really willing to help, but they just literally do not follow through. And my assumption is human nature makes them very lazy, and that's usually the case. Most people don't want to do the work, and they certainly don't want to take the responsibility for making or losing money. They don't want to do that for sure. Are you familiar with Martin Armstrong, Larry? Is that a name that means anything? Very familiar. I know. I know Martin. I've had dinner with him, and I respect him incredibly well. I mean, he's he's a real, he's a real smart fellow. And and what do you think? I mean, he he had one cycle date, cycle turn date, which was February the twenty seventh, two thousand and seven, and he he predicted that as a turn date based on his pie cycle. Um, in the I think in the 80s or 90s he predicted that date and it marked the very top of the Dow of all the financial stocks to the day um, I, I mean are you a fan of his pie cycle oh well, of course where, where do you think pie comes from it's a summation of all the Fibonacci numbers starting at 618 1.618 2.618 and 3.14 which is pie which is the circumference of the circle that's how the planets move he has a big turn date, or sorry, he has one of his uh, minor turn dates coming on uh, April the 19th or the 20th. Do, do you have that as a, as a potential turn date as well? Well, mine's uh, April 18th and a quarter. I, I don't, mine, it's right in that ballpark. I believe it's the, somewhere between, around the, I thought it was around the 20th, but I'm, you know, that's a, you know, that's a light year away from where I am. That's two weeks away from where I am. I'm not worried about that right now. Okay. He has it as 2009.3. Martin, Martin Armstrong is a real, he's a real smart fellow and he does, uh, the quality of his work is good. The problem is that, you know, he gets a bad, um, a beat from some of these people because they've treated him so badly because of his research and, and the things that he says. Uh, you know, he's very public and he's very outspoken. But he is a very, very bright fellow. There's no question about it. And do you know, is he out, is he out of jail yet, do you know? Or? I don't know. I, I know people that, um, Arch Crawford, who happens to be a, a neighbor and a very good friend of mine, um, says that he had heard that he was out, but no one is, um, you know, we, we haven't seen him. He'll, he'll be on the talk shows, I mean, because he oh, certainly as he is out. Right. Yeah, as soon as he comes out, he will be most probably, uh, you know, somewhere like that. Uh, well, let's get him on the commodity watch radio as well. I, I, I tried. I sent him an email, but in, 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 I never had a reply. Well, you'll see him on CNN before you see him on your show. I can't think so, anyway, because <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty eccentric human uh, individual, but very, very smart. I mean, quality of his work you you can't uh, you can't deny it. He, he's very good. Okay, so can we can we just spend a second on that cycle because that's not far away. That's two weeks from now, and. We've had a nice rally now off the March uh, 5th or 6th low. And, uh, you know, at this point, it looks like we're going to be going into uh, into that sort of date with, uh, you know, an up-to-down type cycle uh, possibility. Um, is it too early to say which direction that turn's going to be, Larry? Well, we, uh, you know, the April 6th date was more important than the one that's coming up, in my opinion, because... Uh, of the the way that the market started from March the sixth to April the sixth, I mean, you know, you have thirty days. You know, it was basically straight up. We had a, a few you know counter trend rallies or uh, corrections of a day and a half uh, along the way, and uh, one around the twentieth, another one around the thirtieth, and those are not you know just little little minor fluctuations into the sixth. Now we came to the sixth. That cycle from March the sixth completed. And now 
the second stage of that comes in around the 20th of April, I believe, and that's the one that'll be interesting because if, depending upon where we are, you know, we'll determine, you know, what where, where are the patterns completing around the 20th will tell us, you know, pretty much what to do. You'll know, you know, whether to be a buyer or seller. That, that's what pattern recognition is. It's repetition in motion. So actually the next two weeks, uh, there's still time to uh, go into a down-to-up pattern or an up-to-down pattern. Is that right? Yes. In other words, you're saying the market could either rally or it could drop. Yes, I agree with that 100%. <laughs> well, you could exactly you know, I, do that. You're asking, I mean, you're putting the gun to my head. I would think that we'd be coming into a low around the 20th because it's very mm-hmm. unusual for the market to run 30 days like it. I mean, it's 30 calendar days, but 22 of those days were trading days, and most of those, 18 of those 22, well, I think 17 of those 22 days were up days. That's, that's an outlier event. That doesn't happen very often. That's the strongest rally since 1938. I thought that would occur because of the March you know, fourth the eight cycles that were there. The last time that occurred, we had that type of a rally, and that's what's occurring again now. What people don't understand is what what the future holds for them. Uh, you know, in the next sec- several years, they're going to be looking at things that you know, the, no one on this planet has ever lived through what we're going to go through in these next several years. Well, that no was one. that and, was my that was my question before we got on to kind of the next two weeks. I wanted to ask you, tell us what your kind of big picture outlook is for the next two three or five years what, what what do you see happening okay well what i what i see occurring is what this all triggered on the events from april the 13th through the 16th excuse not april august the 13th through the 16th of the year 2007 there was a very very strong planetary event that occurred there were four or five, I think it was five major conjunctions and oppositions. That's where planets are lined up like bowling pins in a row. In other words, if you stack them up, you could look and they all look as one. Yeah. And that, that, that doesn't happen very often. And those cycles have never been broken. And what happened at that point, the market uh, rallied up when the Dow made a new high at 14,000 in a matter of five or six weeks. And in the next three or four weeks, it immediately came down and broke that low of August the 13th through the 16th. It broke that low. That's the first time that low has ever been broken in 200 years in our country. I mean, it's been broken other times in history, but that's the first time that it happened. Once that occurred, what we did was we said, okay, go back and look how many times this has occurred in history in the last, you know, 200 years. And so we found one event where all the planets were lined up, and it did pretty much the same type of thing. That was the panic of 1837. If you read what happened in 1837, it was a debt liquidation cycle brought on by massive speculation in real estate and stocks and over-leveraging of debt. It took eight years to get out of it, but it finally, you know, we came out of it, and we, we, we got to be very good. But this this one was... This is very important because we are going to be looking at riots. We've already seen them in London, and we saw, we've seen a few in Italy, but you've seen several big ones in London where they've started to riot. There's been a, a couple in Canada, but you're going to start seeing more and more as people lose their jobs and they're not able to pay their credit cards and things like this, and they're going to start uh, realizing that you know something really dramatic has changed. People that are heavily in debt, are going to you know understand what debt is really about that it's not really a savior that it's actually a 
a harbinger that could really come back and, and hurt you. So uh, this is, and I'm, hey, I'm wrong a lot, fellas. All I can tell you is, you know, the cycles that were there in 1837 are the same cycles, you know, where we have now. In other words, the planetary formations that are in in our stratosphere right now are just like they were in 1837. There's no difference. And, I mean, so we're going to see people losing their jobs. We're going to see riots. We're going to see some social unrest. The uh, the This always, I mean, a lot of people I know uh, are predicting this is all going to culminate in some kind of war. Do you see that happening? Well, that, that they're always in that way. You know, that's how they come out of these things. You know, whether it's World War Two, World War One, Civil War, it doesn't make any difference. They all come out of that the same way, is that the war, you know, brings commerce and people die and that's what gets the thing moving and, you know, it doesn't make any difference. That That's what happens. It's power and, you know, the thing that makes me the most frustrating is when you see the Secretary of the Treasury of the United States say, well, if we don't like the way these bank presidents are, you know, operating, we're just going to get rid of them. I mean, they're, they're interfering with, you know, free enterprise. And, you know, this is where the same thing happened in 1837. They came out and did all these things, all these social programs, and they don't work. And in terms you know, of protecting yourself, uh, what, what, what should one do? Buy guns and cans, or just one? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm a I'm a I'm a big fan of guns because I've been a collector of guns my whole life. I don't fire them. I've never shot one at anyone, but I've shot at a few targets before. I, I don't think I could ever be a soldier because I'm pretty much a coward. But uh, I, you know, I would have a, something to protect myself. I'd have a place to go. So that you could get away from the big cities, you know, if you have those things happening and, and also, you know, being able to have some, you know, canned foods and dried foods and, you know, things like that in case things get tough. I've told the people that listen to me since, uh, you know, well, it's been over a year now, uh, you know, always have some silver, small silver coins and small gold coins so that if you have to go to the supermarket to trade for something and the computers are turned off that you'll still be able to get water or bread and I believe people should have bottled water you know in their house at least a couple months supplies and rotate it and have some dried food I mean we're, we're in an area where we've never been before I've never talked like this before in my 45 year history but we've never been here before people that are people as no one has been alive to see what's to see what's going to happen if I'm correct. I've been correct for a long time. And people say, gee, you've really been really right these last two years. People that follow me realize I've been right for a lot longer than a few years. I just, I'm just i just not in the public eye. I don't really care to be in the public eye. And, uh, you know, I enjoy these interviews and stuff like that. But, you know, I, you're not going to see me on TV and stuff like that. I, I'm not interested in it. But, I mean, you're describing a real kind of Mad Max meltdown scenario there. I, I mean... Well, I'm describing what happened in 1837. That's all I'm saying. That's 170 years. What happened in 170 years? That's the Neptune cycle. What's inside the Neptune cycle is the Jupiter-Mars cycle. And then if you look at all those and say, oh, gee, they're all lined up again. Hmm, wonder what happened the last time that occurred. Well, you go back and read history, and the same thing's happening now, word for word. It's just exactly what's going on. And so the obvious place to put your money then is precious metals gold and silver is is, is from a no, long the, term the perspective best, would you agree well, with that i'm not, well i think the main thing you want to do is do not do not have any debt and then have some form of of holding cash whether it's gold or silver or you know some type of uh, paper money if it's in the right paper like you know swiss or canadian or uh if, you know the best one would probably be the the chinese rimbibi the yuan because that's going to be a 
you know, they have a positive uh, savings rate there. So the, the the winner of this whole thing will be China because they'll come out as the leader of the world. And uh, you know, they're they're so far ahead of us anyway. And and India will probably be you know second or you know second or third. And you know, the United States will be down in third or fourth. And you know, they'll they'll start you know changing the order of the of the, the way things go. But we'll all come out of this okay eventually. The question is how bad the war is going to be when when it happens. Happens in six or seven years, and who's going to be fighting? I don't know. Or, you know do you see uh, currencies collapsing? No, there's always money. I don't. I don't think that's going to happen. There's always moving money somewhere. Even if they collapse, they'll still be trading and moving. No, I don't. I don't see that happening at all. Okay. So, and where are the stock markets going to be in in your scenario? Well, I, you, some of I, I think the Dow will get to thirty five hundred. I think the S and P will get below four hundred. Uh, you know, eventually when this is over, I mean, they've already dropped from, you know, they've already dropped 60%. I mean, you don't have to go to drop another 50%. That's not very much. And it won't be in the panic mode like we've had now. The easy money is made. The next one will be drifting. It'll be, it'll be like a thousand razor cuts. In other words, the market will rally and then go down and rally and go down, rally and go down, rally and go down and just keep going till it finally bottoms. And then, you know, by then no one will have an interest in owning stocks and, and uh, that'd be the best time in the world to buy it, and the best time, the, you know, to start going back into debt and leveraging yourself again. But now's not the time to be leveraged. Now's the time to be totally out of debt, and have money available to buy some of these assets that are going to be available to you for, you know, thirty, forty cents on the dollar. You already realize, um, Dominic, you know what's happened to, you know, London real estate, and that's just the beginning of it. You know, it's uh, that was going to be quite interesting. Real estate. You're uber bearish on real estate, presumably. Well, you realize I've been bearish on real estate since 1986, so I've been my timing's been off by about 27 years. Not not quite that bad, but uh, I'm not very good with real estate. I'm very good with uh, speculation, you know, in the things that move very quickly. But I have been uh, my my record in real estate is uh, slightly less than 10 percent accurate. Okay. I, I could. No, I have had. I've owned a lot of different things, and I have not done well uh, with real estate. I am. Um, I'm far away. I'm, I'm. I'm really good with history, and I feel pretty strongly about what we're talking about here. But real estate is not one of my fortes. Well, maybe you're one of those rare people who sees a house as a place to live and nothing more. Oh, of course. Yeah, I've got several of them, and that's not a problem. But uh, and the, you know, I'm comfortable. You know, I have. Uh, you know, everything is. I got everything that I could ever possibly want. And uh, the house is nothing more than a place to live. I I have bought real estate. I bought apartment buildings, and I bought the. I, I was in Southern California, in the in the time when it was the biggest boom, and I still lost money. You figure that one out, <laughs> you know. So I said, that's it. I'm done. I'm going to do the thing that I know best, and that's what I do. And how about commodities? What are your outlooks? What's your outlook for the various commodities? Well, I think the you know the grain markets are probably going to be at a relatively high level for a few years, uh, mainly because uh, you know the farmers are having trouble, uh, you know, just getting you know financing for some of their crops, and um, you know there's going to be shortages just based on weather patterns and things like that. But you know if we go back to the depression, that's when we had our highest grain prices, and then after that, you know the the prices collapsed, and you know we're in a, we're in a deflationary. Depression is what we're in. I mean, I don't, anybody that doesn't 
believe that has to go back and look at 1837 to see what happens during that time. I don't, I don't think the only reason I like to be in gold and silver is because in case paper money does go really badly, you know, that's something that you can literally hold and feel and say, yes, it has one ounce of silver or one ounce of gold. And you know that if you, you can trade it in on a suit of clothes or five bottles of water, whatever happens to be, you know, then you'll at least you'll have something, you know. To be able to help your family, and 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 it will get bad, but you know, it, overall, we're, we'll all come out of this just fine. I have a strong faith in the human being and uh, and God, whichever form of God you believe in. But I, I think that this will all come out eventually. History says that it will. And you're not. It's uh, not, the, to it's not the, the end of the world. Yeah, no. To, to to repeat the question, you're not somebody that thinks that uh, uh, fiat currencies will collapse. You're not one of these gold bucks who says you must own gold because. Uh, no, paper currency no, is worthless. No. Uh, yeah, well, I'm sure, well it, it might be worthless to some people, but it might be worth something to other people. I mean, not everyone's going to be like Zimbabwe, where you have a ten trillion dollar note that'll buy one loaf of bread. Uh, you know, smarter heads have prevailed in some of these things, and and uh, there will be there will be times where where currencies will collapse. But you know, these usually don't happen overnight. You see it coming, for heaven's sakes. I mean. You know, it's not something to just wake up some morning and, you know, the Japanese yen is worthless or something like that. This is, these build up over time. And they, they line a, uh, a whole, all different kinds of false, uh, uh, accusations and false reports ahead of it saying that this is what we're going to do and they do the exact opposite. So the thing to watch is how does the currency react to what's really happening? Look what's happening to the treasury bonds in the United States. I mean, the Federal Reserve is going to buy 300 billion. They have the largest rally in the history of the bond market that took place in about one hour and now they're below the price of that rally. I mean, who cares whether the government's buying? Nobody else is buying them. Yeah. So they're probably going to go lower. And uh, energy? Uh, yes, I like energy. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know. I, you know, when oil was 140, I was so bearish, that, you know. But I was buried for three or four weeks when it was up there at 140. But I stayed bearish, you know, a long way down. I didn't buy the. I didn't get out at the bottom, but I did pretty well, uh, you know, through that move because it was a it was a pattern that just doesn't happen very often, and. Uh, you know, I, I could see that happening in all the different commodities. Uh, I could see it happening in the stock market. I mean, these were lined up like, you know, we haven't seen this before. It's not since the 2000 bubble have we seen it lined up, you know, so nicely. I mean, it's just really it was set up perfectly to to have all this happen. And the debt liquidation cycle was related to the 1837 cycle, which was related to the Neptune cycle. So it was all fitting together. You know, at the same time, if you hadn't studied those cycles, you, you would never have seen it. And uh, Mary, you, you sorry, uh, you, you were talking before about gold, and this is a little bit of a repeat, but I know you've been looking at some fairly specific uh, levels on gold where we might see turns, and I'm sure that'll be of great interest to uh, the listeners of Commodity Watch Radio, who include a lot of people who uh, are interested in gold. Well, the first one comes in around 840. Uh, per ounce, we're about thirty dollars from where that number comes in. Uh, the the problem is that it's it's coming very quickly. It shouldn't happen until you know sometime in mid May. But here we are. We're almost there. Right? We could be there tonight or in the next few hours even. And if we get there that quickly, it's most probably going to go a little bit lower. There is a better than fifty percent probability that gold made a double top at a thousand dollars an ounce. 
The old high was a thousand thirty, and this last high was a thousand six dollars an ounce. That's close enough to statistically call it a double top. And with all the negative things that occurred, that usually makes gold go crazy to the upside. Gold has had a series of lower lows and lower highs, which tells you that it's in a downtrend, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much what we're looking at right now. And how low might it go if it breaks eight forty here in the near term? Uh, the next low after 840 will be 839. I have no <laughs> idea. I mean, uh, after that, you know, it could be 790, 740, you know, increments of $50 usually. But, uh, you know, 840 is, you know, the, the line in the sand for me. It's got to hold within a few dollars of that. If it does that, then it's a very low risk buy and I don't have to, you There's know. There's a guy called Glenn. Glenn Neely, who's talking about gold going down to 500 on its way to several thousand. Um, Glenn, do you think Glenn you can is see a, a low? Is- well, you can see anything you want. Glenn's an Elliott Wave person. I'm not too much into Elliott Wave, but you know, there's counts that you could get very easily. I mean, gold went from you know 260 to a thousand. Okay, that's you know, 740, and if you take 61 percent of that, that takes you pretty much back to the to the 500 dollar level. So it's very easy to get there without any trouble. Um, do you just uh, just going through the various uh, different commodity classes? I, I presume you're view on base metals what was is, is similar to your view on energy yes base base metals have you know made major tops and they're probably in bear markets for the next three to four years at least your mum and pop investor who doesn't kind of trade on a daily or weekly basis they should be sitting in cash and gold and silver is that right you know, well I, I think they should be debt free and set in some little bit of gold you know not more than 10 percent uh, in gold and silver and the rest of it, you know, in cash and, you know, so short term, uh, you know, you can buy triple A, um, you know, tax free, uh, seven day paper, uh, that, you know, yields four uh, percent, you know, tax free. I mean, that's on a, usually that's eight percent for most people. And, uh, you know, that's a pretty good way to, to roll your money over. Uh, you know, just be, just be in cash and be able to buy things at a cheap price when, when the time comes, you have money available to buy it. And you're not one of these people who sees, uh, you know, two thousand or five thousand dollar gold further down the road. No, no. I, we could see two thousand and maybe five thousand. I mean, it could happen, but I'm not interested in that. You know, I'm interested in what's going to do at eight forty. I'm, a, I'm, a, you know, I'm really, I, I don't really care about long term projection because I'm a, you know, I'm, a, I'm a speculator. I want to find out what's going to happen in the next few weeks. The reason why I want to know what happens in the next few weeks is because if I do that, the risk that I'm going to have to take in the next few weeks is different than the risk that I have to take three years down the road because no one can tell you what's going to happen three years down the road. Three weeks, I got a pretty good chance because I can statistically look at the patterns that are forming. Three years down the road, I can't tell that. No one can tell you that. Okay. That's well, why this is so much fun because you know everybody has their own opinion. So, and over the next three weeks, you see uh, potentially going into a low around uh, mid-April in in the stock markets. Yeah, mid, mid-April. Well, that, that's what I, I think that we're going to have a rally in stocks that, that could carry into, uh, the second week in July. And if it does that, then, uh, I would get incredibly bearish for the next several years. And, uh, that's the way it looks. 
This is set up to hurt so many people with this rally that we've had because now everybody's talking about the bad is over and everything's going to work out. And uh, even people that have been incredibly, incredibly bearish are starting to not nearly be as bearish. Um, so if it can hold up here into mid-July, then you've really got a great opportunity to go, you know, to go short again, and that would be a be a pretty good place to do it. Okay, and um, your current. What about currencies? What's your view on the currencies? Oh uh, well, I, I, you know, the dollar is you know, it's probably going to drift lower. It's had a pretty good run- rally for the last 15 months, and it made a little double top here at the 90 level, uh, coming off of the 72 low. I mean, 72.00 low. And so we'll probably, you know, drift down. We might make new lows in the dollar. We might not. We have to just, you know, just wait and see. I don't want to make a prediction, you know, what the dollar is going to do because I don't really care. I'm interested in trying to make a dollar on any of the currencies in the pattern that I see. When you've got 22 uh, different currencies, you've got a lot of different cross rates that you can trade to make a living off of. And that's what my business is. Excellent stuff. So uh, we can expect. Uh, I know you're bearish on the U.S. bond. You're short-term bearish on gold. Um, you think we might be making a low around about mid-April in the stock markets, and then looking at a rally into July. That's one possible pattern that could pan out. Um, do you have any other views on anything else? Uh, no, not really. I mean, I. I think that pretty much covers it. Well, this has been a, a superb interview, Larry. Let me just uh, pass you over to Michael a second. Mike, do you have any more questions? Well, I, I pretty much covered my questions, uh, jumping in the middle there. I, I, um, I'd like to uh, say that I, I've had a look at some uh, excerpts from Larry's book uh, earlier today, uh, preparing for this. And uh, the book, Trade What You See, uh, looks like it's full of some wisdom and good advice. And, uh, for example, uh, there was a nice list, and I posted on the website, of reasons that traders fail. And uh, I can see that Larry's thought about this a lot. And uh, I think people can learn a lot from reading the book and uh, listening to some of the other uh, interviews that Larry's done from time to time. And I hope we have another chance to revisit this uh, uh, this area with Larry uh, in a few months' time, hopefully, not sooner. Larry, is the book available at Amazon? Yes, it is. Hmm? Okay, it's well, actually one of the top ten, uh, top twenty books in Amazon on the technical nature of the markets and stuff. It's in the top twenty, and it has been for about a year, which makes me feel pretty good. That I means people, you know, start to enjoy it and see that some of the stuff is actually predictable if they'll spend some time learning to do it. Well, I'll, I'll undertake to I'll undertake to read the book and uh, write a Could review. Could you use a different uh, word? Different word than undertake. You know that people at my age I, don't like to hear words like that. Why don't you just say you'll attempt to read it? Okay. I will attempt to read it. There you <laughs> and, go. Uh, attempt to write a review as well. Okay. Well, uh, Larry Pestavento, thank you very much. Um, the website, if you want to find out more about him, is tradingtutor.com um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you I'll put a link up on the uh, on the homepage for the radio show to your site and to your book and Larry Pesavento Michael Hampton thank you very much thank you, thank, Dominic. you thank you Michael Commodity Watch Radio is presented and produced by Dominic Frisbee for Mindsight with music by Manolo Camp 
to discuss the markets and have your say, why not visit our bulletin board at globaledgeinvestors.com. That's globaledgeinvestors.com.